right. If everyone could make their way back to their seats. Did everyone have a good spring break? Awesome. Very good. Well, next weekend is a very special weekend, so we want to tell you about it. We've got a lot of special things coming up. Yeah, we do. But first of all, I want to make sure all the children have been released to go to Narnia and learn how to change the world. All right? If not, we have a kids check-in in the hallway, but we'd love for that. I don't see any children, so I think we're good. I think they're already gone. All right, so next weekend we have David and Deborah Crone from the Mission Church in Vacaville, California. They are our very, very dear friends, and they love to come. She, in fact, just texted me this morning that she was praying for rain on us this morning, heavenly rain. So that was, uh, they're already preparing to come and see what God is doing and just release what God is saying. So both services will be unique. So if you would like, we'd love to have you on Saturday at 6 o'clock and Sunday at 1030. Timothy yeah. spent a lot of time with the Crohn's. I have. More than us, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was only three hours away from them for two years, so I definitely used that. <laughs> um, I, I just had, like, one thing about to say about them. They're the kind of people that when you're seeking something from the Lord, they they don't even have answers. They just have breakthrough to, like, push you into the place with the Lord to receive the answers from him. And so just this next week, it's next weekend, right? Yeah. Whoa. Um, <laughs> this next weekend, just come with a place, like a prepared place that you're like, Lord, I'm expecting this. Like come with expectation. Awesome. Love it. Yes. All right. And then Easter is on almost here. Can you believe it? Yes. Uh, April 20th, we are going to have a community outreach, our annual egg scramble. Most of you probably know about it and have been more than once. Uh, we do it every year. It's, a, it's free. Everything's free. And we do a lot of inviting. We give out thousands of flyers around the city. Um, and people know where to be on the Saturday of Easter weekend from 930 to 12. So we need your help. We need your help. We need you to volunteer if you can. It's a short amount of time, 930 to 12. And there actually isn't a lot of a lot to do. The main thing is that we need people who will greet people who come to help, you know, the children get to the, uh, where they're going to do their egg hunts and that sort of thing. It's, it's actually, I think one of our easier events compared to fall fest. Um, cause really the kids are there to, to get eggs. <laughs> they are there to get candy. Uh, and we are there to release the love of Jesus. Amen. So it's a really special opportunity that we get um, because they're they're coming either way. So we get to participate with what heaven is doing, and that's what we would love for, for you. You don't have to prophesy or pray or anything. Just be you and touch someone and love on them. If you have a prophetic word, that's great too. We're going to have healing room teams praying around the campus, um, but just be there. But all right, if you have not signed up to volunteer, we do have a paper sign-up sheet in the foyer, but if you would like to just text us to sign up, I'm going to give you that phone number. All right, so if you can just pull out your phone right now and text the number 31996, all right, that's the phone number, 31996. Is anybody doing this? I will wait for you if you are not. Most people are not, so that's fine. I assume that you're going to sign up with a pen and paper in the back, which is fine. But if you would like to sign up, 31996, and in the body, text egg scramble, all lowercase, egg scramble, and you will get instructions on how to sign up uh, digitally. All right? Okay. 
Babe, you want to come up and, and help me with this next announcement? You are free to go. <laughs> we still have a... Uh, all right. <laughs> yes, Pam put that on him from Nagaland. So, yes, we are very excited about what God is doing uh, in missions. And our heart is always towards missions. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, that's where we tithe as a church. We tithe to missions. And we, we give a lot of money every year to various places around the world uh, with the intention to sow into the harvest. We want to be part of the harvest. And I know you guys do too. But also, you have an opportunity to use your feet. So, which one do you want? I'll, I'll just start. Uh, those of you that don't know Kelly Bones, Kelly Bones is one of our missionaries. Uh, she actually is based in Orlando, but she uh, is actually doing the training and the sending of teams for Jesus Film. Have you ever heard of Jesus Film? Jesus Film is a, and I'm going to totally butcher this, but there's hundreds of languages that the Jesus Film has been translated into, and, they're, and more adding every year, and they're going and showing the Jesus Film because we as Americans, we, one of the false assumptions we have is that, that everyone knows the Jesus story. Because we all heard it and we grew up with it. It's very, uh, it's very um, in, our, in our culture to know this Jesus story. But in the, all over the world, they're using the Jesus film as a place to open for revelation in people's hearts. And Kelly is the team leader for doing that. And so she actually is doing a trip to the Congo in September 9 through 22. If anyone would like to go on that or you just feel like your heart, something in you just says, man, I just want to go and be a part of what, what God's doing. And, and those trips are very, you, there's a variety of things that you could do on that. And we've actually had a group of people go before from, to do those teams. So we just want to encourage you, if you have a heart to see people get, be saved and you, you really have a heart for Africa, um, we we'll encourage you to go to the Congo. Yes, we can get you in touch with Kelly. Just come and see one of us, all right? Just be praying. You want to do Senegal? Sure. It's about the same thing. Yeah, so. <laughs> Senegal is the other trip, but, of course, it's not the same time. It's in November. These are premiere showings, so they'll be showing them for the very first time, uh, it sounds like, in, in some of those languages. So, uh, And last year, we had a team, about four or five from our church, that went uh, to Africa. What nation were you all in? Burkina Faso. Burkina Faso, thank you. And they showed the Jesus film and saw a whole village come to the Lord. Is that right? Wasn't it? Three to five hundred people. It was amazing. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So that, that's the kind of thing that happens on these trips. So Senegal, November 3rd through the 16th. And then also, we're all over the, t all over the map on dates, but I hope you're listening anyway. So <laughs> that's Kelly Bones. And then Pam Piggy, can you stand up and wave your hand? Yes, Pam Piggy. Pam goes out annually several times a year normally and and really her heart is Myanmar and the India area and um, she is doing something really special this year in October it's actually September 30th to around October 9th uh, she's going with uh, Beth and Crystal from the Philippines and they are going to do uh, a human trafficking conference with the regional pastors and this is the first time that this has ever been done there uh, they are just becoming aware of the issue in their region. And Pam just really has the heart, you know, to get them trained and ready to receive uh, 
women and children out of human trafficking, but also uh, to rescue. So it's, it's everything imaginable. But she would love to have a few people on the team to join them. So if your heart is anywhere around that, human trafficking um, and uh, Myanmar area. Uh, so ministry helps. There's a ministry helps. If there's a photographer in the room, she would love to have a photographer. And we would really like to send at least one man with these ladies. So that would be a very big deal, even if you're just going as a bodyguard and a prayer warrior. That would be amazing. We would love, love, love to have that. So see Pam. Everybody saw where Pam was? Yes. Also, too, in the foyer, we've got a little box there. Um, she's collecting uh, glasses, prescription glasses. If you have any old glasses laying around, would you bring them and put them in that box? Because that is going to go to Myanmar too. And you're going to be hearing some more about that in the days to come. So, all right. All right. And the last trip we just want to make aware is we're hoping uh, to pull off a trip in May with, with those college age students, college age and, and below. We're, we're looking to go just take a quick trip, three or four days to Mexico, um, probably just go down with Brother Ehlers in Acuna and minister there across the border. And if you're worried about it being safe, Shane went last year, he said it was really, it was really safe. And so we want to, we, we're looking for those who have a heart to do that and want to go. That's for college age. And, and so uh, Keith and Lisa are going to be with us, hopefully. And, and we're just going to see what the Lord wants to do there and continue to sow and, and believe that God has things. I mean, you don't always have to get on an airplane to do missions. I mean, we, we've got a three-hour drive to Mexico. We have a 10-minute drive to Redwood. you next door. I know it. Yeah. We go to campus Exactly. Right you now. go to campus. So we just want, our, our but, heart is that yes. it, it, something is birthed in you, not just for your neighbors, but also for nations. Yes, that's what we believe. Because God's heart is for nations and for people groups, and so we want to encourage you to let your heart get caught, just catch on fire for what God is doing in our time and in our generation. Yes, Jesus said go into all the world. So we want to obey that. So, all right. All right, here we go. Yeah, it's 1130. Amen. Lord, we love you. Thank you for being here. We thank you for your presence. We love your presence, the place where your glory dwells. We ask that that no one in this room today would walk out the same because we've, we've worshipped you. We've been with you. We're going to hear your word today. It's going to change our lives. Lord, raise our anticipation of what you're doing in our lives today, God. We just, we just break off any lies of the enemy that we're walking out of here the same and nothing's different. We just declare that it's impossible to be with God and stay the same. So we just thank you for your presence today, Lord. We thank you for your love for us. I just ask that you would just so begin to stir our hearts in a fresh place with you, Jesus. Amen. Can I just say this before we get going? I I really believe this, that, that, yeah, that's what I was going to (laughs) say. Liam's my preacher back there, so... Uh, but yeah, I just I really feel like that there, there's a fresh wave of passion that God is wanting to stir with us. And and I want to say that passion is not emotionalism. Passion is an overflow of what God is doing in your life and you can't hold it back. 
And, and, and the place of the, the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the creator of the universe, doing something in our life should be impossible to contain. And, and the overflow really is not just all that he's done and, and testimony, even though all those things are, are at the highest level of what we value. The greatest expression is love back to him. And, you know, for years, we, we've, it's not a saying, it, it's a lifestyle that, that, that we have seen from the Welsh revival is that one statement, Jesus, I love you with all of my heart, changed the course of a nation. Because it was an expression of passion that was coming out of one girl and then a group of people and then a nation. It began to stir up. And, and it could have been stopped by just the idea that, well, yeah, this is just normal what God is doing. But they couldn't help but express there was a place of passion that was being birthed in them. And I want to say this, that there is a fresh wave of passion that God is wanting to birth in this place. What's crazy is passion is one of our trademarks, but I mean, know that when Jesus is doing something fresh, you need to recognize it. And, and so let me just give you a warning or a danger is that, that passion, first of all, is for the young people. Passion is an expression of God doing something in your life. The other thing is that, that the danger is that, that somebody else will be passionate for me. Like, I love the environment of passion, but I don't have to be the one being totally passionate about it. And I want to tell you, that's a danger that keeps you from missing something that God is doing in your life. Amen? You're quiet already. That's not allowed. So I, I just say that because I can feel it. I can feel a, a fresh expression of what God is wanting to do in our, in our community of believers, in our city, in our region. And it requires a response of yes. It, it doesn't require a response of, oh, that's nice. It actually takes your yes. It takes your yes. And as we begin to do that, what you're going to find is that your passion will be stoked by the passion of the Lord. He, he loves passion. He's passionate. He's zealous. It's one of his very, the very adjectives that describe God is that he's a zealous God. And then he told us as God's people, never be lacking in zeal. And I used to read that and be like, that's impossible. And, and one day he told me, yeah, naturally it's impossible. But supernaturally, and everything we're called to do in this walk is supernatural. If we cannot do the Christian walk naturally. And I just want to, I'm going to say that over and over and over today, that we cannot do the spiritual walk, the supernatural walk that we're called to live naturally. It actually takes the wheels off the bus. And so God is, I, I believe this, He's on that. He's on pointing out where we're responding naturally to things that are called to have our supernatural response. Elizabeth read something in prayer this morning, and I, I'm not even going where we're going yet, but that, that, listen, if we're feeling hopeless in a situation, it's because we have not equaled in or, or have factored in the supernatural to that area. Because the minute you begin to factor in the supernatural or who God is in your life, it actually begins to infuse hope into your situation. And it really is that way in everything that we cannot approach anything of the kingdom naturally. Because it's supernatural. 
How many have ever tried to put natural understanding to the kingdom? How did that go? It went poorly, right? Because you cannot put your mind around everything that the kingdom is. And I'm not saying we remove our mind. It actually takes revelation. Then as we begin to walk in revelation, our mind begins to comprehend what God is releasing to us. And then we can be in unity for what he's releasing for you, for this body, for our city, for our region, for our world, really. We have to have a a world mindset for what God's doing in you. Or you don't believe you can change the world. All right. Quiet again. Crickets. Crickets in here. No, I I, I say that because I want to encourage you right now. Don't get lulled into the idea that it's just this is going to be how it is. There was something that one of the panels said last week that you, you ain't seen nothing yet. We have not seen anything yet compared to what God wants to do. But we have to have a yes in our heart for that. Like there's more miracles and more salvations. There's more radical presence, God encounters, glory encounters that we've never even dreamt of before. But we have to have a yes in our heart or we'll just play church. And I'll just tell you guys, as as the, the leaders here, we're just not interested in playing church. We're interested in being the church. And the church is God's people being passionate and full of desire for what his heart is pounding for. And his heart is pounding for a generation to be rescued. So that's what the Lord is saying and doing with us right now. And, and he's just releasing it to us. So I'm going to give one prophetic word, then we're going to get started. I took 10 minutes there. But this morning in prayer, the Lord just spoke to me. So, so Daryl, I, I saw a picture so clear this morning in prayer. I saw the Lord telling me that he, you're in a season of strength. And then he's making you strong. And I actually, it was like a, a cartoon character where I saw where the guy has the dumbbells and he actually had 2,000 pound dumbbells and he was just doing like this. And I saw the Lord saying, I'm giving you strength that's beyond naturally what you know. And he's infusing a strength into you, not just to overcome the areas in your life, but actually for, for future events, he's strengthening you right now. He's saying, I'm putting something in you that is going to be unstoppable in the next season. And that's, what he's, that's why there's, I feel like there's a hunger and a stirring going on in you right now, and it's infusing you with strength. And the Lord just says, I'm putting it in you because I have desires for you that are beginning to spring up, and it's, it's going to take strength, and it's going to take vision, and it's going to take courage. And he says, I'm giving you all those things in this season so you can walk them out in the next one. And so we just bless the impartation that the Father is putting in you right now. And we as a people, as your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, we say yes to it now. We say yes to what God's doing in your life. We say yes to your destiny. And we say yes to your future. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're, this is actually our sixth installment of... King Encounters from the book of Mark. And so you can turn with Mark 5. We're going to get going there. I don't know why I'm in John 13. I know where we're going and I'm on the wrong page. But, but I just want to remind you where we've been, what we've been talking about is this place of that Jesus was constantly warning His disciples that don't just be around the things of God. Let the things of God impact you. 
Don't, don't just be around the king, but have king encounters that are, that are so life-changing that they transform your destiny, your world, the people around you. And, and we see this because, you know, the disciples were not the only ones around Jesus. We had the Pharisees, right? We had the Sadducees. We had the teachers of the law. We had the crowds. We had all these people who were around Jesus, but there was a group of people who were encountering Jesus in a different way, and that was as king. Not just as a good teacher, not just someone that was show, doing miracles, but the, the disciples were encountering Jesus as king. And those who were watching, those in the crowd, those around who were having a revelation, they were pushing in, right, to have king encounters. And what are we saying with that? That it's not enough to be around the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. But in order to, for that to grow and flourish, we have to constantly be in, having king encounters where he's revealing himself and we're encountering him in a new way. And it doesn't mean you have a one-time king encounter like, like, like Dad shared on tithing today. It's not like you have that and you say, I've got tithing figured out. Like, he, he said from that time on when he was eight years old, but that's not the only revelation he's ever had on tithing. Why? Because God is constantly encountering him and showing us who he is and, and why we do things. And it, it causes us then to have more revelation. King encounters release revelation to us. God's wanting to show who he is. He's looking for a people who are looking to encounter him that way. And so we've looked into some of the amazing stories, right? The leper. And we looked into the encounter that God's willingness jesus's willingness equaled his power i'm still blown away with that statement that jesus was trying to show that i have the power to do everything but i also am willing to do it and then we 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 go on in the story and then we have the man with the shriveled hand right and what god was saying and jesus was saying there's no limits to my power not even what you think about the sabbath is stopping what i'm doing for this man today All these king encounters. And as I was reading through Mark, I began to realize that it was one after another of people coming to Jesus and encountering him as king. Remember this, that the kingdom without a king is a club. And if we recognize that, then it causes us to want to push in to the king and understand who he is. Because if you understand who the king is, you'll manifest the kingdom. If you don't understand who the king is, the kingdom is a foggy area for you. Like, well, I know it's in us, and it's the rule and reign of God, but what does that actually mean? But when we begin to understand the king, we understand the kingdom. So today we're going to look at uh, actually one of my favorite stories. It's the, it's the, the demon-possessed man who ran around in the tombs. And we're going we're gonna to look at the story. Now, uh, I want to I give you a little bit of instruction before we read it here, because I, I've always loved this story. When I was a kid... We had these little books. I don't know about y'all, but I can remember certain things about my childhood. And my favorite one was about the man in the tombs. Why? Because it was about a crazy naked man running around with chains on his arms. (laughs) But there was also something I know God was setting me up for. You're always going to be about transformation. And when we would read that, I would see him sitting there at the end, whole. Something in my heart would be like, that's what it looks like to be with Jesus. To go from chains and tombs 
to sitting with Jesus and everybody in all. And, and so I want to I just give you a little bit of instruction. Please don't focus on the demons today. Focus on the man. When I read the story, oftentimes we read the story, we think about legion and we think about the pigs and we think about running into the ocean. We, we think about the man crying out, well, all these demons. But I want to tell you that the demons knew their place the minute Jesus was there. So what I want you to focus on is I want you to focus on the king and the man that he showed up for and the results of what it looks like to see Jesus face to face. So here we go. Let's read, huh? We're going to read all 20 verses. Mark 5, 1 through 20. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerizines. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Swear to me you won't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you evil spirit. When Jesus asked, his na- when Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he, began, he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside, and the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the evil spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd of about 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Interesting enough, Ralph the swimming pig Never drowned up there in Ocarina. So what we learned here is pigs with demons can't swim. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. That's the saddest verse in this whole section. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your family. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away, began to tell in the Decapolis, which means ten cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. What a story, right? Yeah, they were. Next time Jesus shows up to Decapolis, there's a group of people waiting for him. So we we look at the story, and, and what does it come down to? What does this king encounter produce? What is the power of this story Because it can just be a story or we can see the power of what it looks like to encounter the king in it. And I want to tell you that this is all a story about freedom. It's a story about the power of bondage and the power of freedom having a, a total collusion and freedom overwhelming bondage. Because we have to see 
that Jesus was carrying a totally different atmosphere everywhere he went. And the atmosphere was an atmosphere of freedom. We see it in everything he did. It was a freedom above the law, right? It was a freedom above sickness and pain and sorrow. It was a freedom above death. How do we know that? Because every funeral Jesus went to, he raised the person from the dead. Why? Jesus was carrying a different atmosphere, an atmosphere that he's actually put on the inside of us. It's called the kingdom of God. And he's saying, I I am delivering and releasing a different atmosphere. So everywhere that Jesus went, he was bringing freedom. And it was in stark contrast to the atmosphere of bondage. And we have to understand that Jesus, when he began to make declarations, you know, Galatians 5.1 says this, right? It says it was for freedom that Christ set us free, right? Stand firm then and don't let yourself be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. What's the plan of the enemy? Yoke of slavery. Why? He wants us to act like slaves when God has called us to be sons and daughters. Just so we're clear, every time he said sons, he's talking about family and children. And he's saying, I didn't call you to live under the, the yoke of slavery anymore. And as Jesus was walking around and the very atmosphere that he was creating with his disciples, with family, with belonging, with understanding who he was, it was creating freedom everywhere he went. And so we, we have to understand that this freedom that he is releasing is our portion. We're, we're not called as God's people to live in bondage. We're not called as God's people to be in a fight and just saying, well, this is honing me in the refiner's fire. I want to tell you that God's result in our life is freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Not, not to walk out some place of understanding who God is through, through my trials and all these things. Listen, those happen, but those are from the enemy. And it's the revelation of freedom in them that actually gets you through them. So we begin to understand this, and and one of the core values, and I think it's a core value that actually has caused some people to be frustrated with us as a body of believers, is that we, we have just held to the line that we're not called to learn to coexist, cope, or cover up the bondage in our life, but it's actually called to move into freedom so it has no more power there. And I'll tell you that that has made people that don't want to be free mad at us. That has made people who are like, well, you don't know my story. You don't know the pain. You don't know the hurt. You don't know. And I'm like, I do know. First of all, prophetically, I know. And second of all, I just know because we're people. And people come into my office and they're like, 20 years I've been dealing with this problem. I'm like, hey, let's get free today. And they get mad at me like, no, you don't know. And I'm like, if you're here, let's just deal with it and get free. Because right, God is offering a different atmosphere. I'm not saying the circumstances are going to change. I'm going to talk about a new atmosphere in your life. And that atmosphere will produce an overcoming and a strength in you that causes you to walk out. Listen, I believe we're doing CR here, but CR won't work without the infusion of the freedom of God in our lives. If you're wondering what CR is, celebrate recovery for people with addictions. But here's the truth is, we're offering them a different atmosphere. An atmosphere that says, hey, let's be free. Let's be true in what God is releasing in us. Let's get to the truth. And so we begin to see, and Jesus was passionate 
about freedom. His first sermon ever, do you know he mentioned freedom twice? You know Jesus was a preacher? He was. He was the best preacher. When we get to heaven, I don't know what y'all are doing, but I'm going right to the throne room saying, preach. I've been preaching for years. Come on, I want to hear you preach. I want to hear you tell the perfect truth. And Jesus stands up that day in Nazareth and he says, hey, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, right? Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. So he starts off just saying, I'm a preacher. And then listen to what he says. He says, because God has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed. That's also a freedom to proclaim the year's favor. So he lists five things, and two of them have to do with freedom. Why? Because he was recognizing in that place that if we don't understand the atmosphere of freedom, we will live as a people who know who I am and not be free. And I just want to say again, that is not our portion as God's children. Freedom is our portion to walk it out, to live in it. And I don't just mean freedom, because sometimes we think about freedom like we go right to addictions. I'm talking about freedom above the law. Freedom above broken relationships. Freedom to, to have everything that God has called us to in marriage and our children. Listen, freedom covers everything. A freedom to love well. A freedom to see the world in a different way. A freedom to be above the spirit of the age. I mean, we need that right now as more than any time ever. They say that in one day, we receive more bad news as a generation than a hundred years ago someone would receive in their whole life. How many know we need this? We need a spirit of freedom to see through that. Actually, let me say, to see above it. See above it. We look down and say, all that garbage is not the truth of who we are as God's people. And so Jesus was passionate about this. He was, he was constantly talking about being free. And, and giving freedom away. He was, he was talking about the place of understanding that, and there's two, two ways of being broken here, or prisoners. One of them was broken hearted, crushed, bruised, broken. How many of you ever been there? The rest of you, I'm like, come on now. You're so tough. No, we've all been had a moment of broken heartedness. But the truth is, Jesus said, I'm counting to bring freedom to that kind of pain. The other freedom, though, is saying, I'm coming to release the prisoners. I've actually got the key that wants to open the cell that people are stuck in. The lies of the enemy that have put people in these cells and saying, no, you can't get out. You're locked here forever. And the truth is, Jesus came to remove those But if we're not careful, we'll still live in a 20 by 20 box. And Jesus is saying, I came to release the prisoners from their captivity. So freedom is is not optional in the kingdom. That's what I'm saying. And as we understand that, it allows us to begin to have a a different reality in our life. I mean, find that it's easier to be negative. It can be easier to be negative if you're living in the wrong atmosphere. Let's just say you have a place of of pain. Like, you know, I always think about this. The first time your kids 
leave to drive the car. Have you ever experienced that? You hand them the keys and you're like, okay, you're going. This young dude on the front row, prom night, junior year, we get the call no one wants. 3 a.m. Hey, 4 a.m. Hey, Dad, I wrecked the car. My phone died. <laughs> Finally, the cop calls him like, yes, sir. He's like, he's good. Calm down. Come get him. But how many know if you're not careful, that could be a place then of pain and fear that puts you in bondage every time you hand the keys to your child. And if you're not careful, you begin to then have a different reality where you're living in bondage or you're, you're fearing the worst that could happen and you think about all the other drivers and how they're terrible and how today four people cut you off and you were ready because you've been driving for years, but they're not going to be ready. And the next thing you know, you're in full torment about something that God has already said, I've got it covered. See, it's a different reality when you begin to see that, no, I've got to live in freedom in my mind. I've got to live in a whole different atmosphere. And Jesus was talking about this in John. He, he, I love, you know, there's verses that we all know, right? Like, if the, whom the sun sets free will be free indeed, right? You know that the whole idea is he's saying, I'm setting you free from slavery of a whole mindset. And the reason he's saying, son, whom the son says to you is because he's offering us into a whole different reality. He's saying, listen, if you're not careful, you have a slavery mentality that keeps you in bondage forever. And the son wants to come set you free. And the crazy thing about this, the word right there means he wants to make you a freeborn, a citizen of a different kingdom. Isn't that what Philippians 3.20 says? That we are now citizens of a different kingdom. And it's the freedom place. It's living in a different atmosphere in our minds, in our hearts, in our souls. A lot of what I'm talking about today is related to fear because I find that fear is generally what holds people in bondage. And just remember, fear is the opposite of love. And so we have to recognize that Jesus came to distribute and, ex- and have people experience a love encounter with His atmosphere Well. Well, what do, we, what do we see then about bondage in this story? Bondage that we can all relate to. I, I want to just take our armor off for a minute and just know that we've all had places we've been in bondage. All of us. Me included. Me more than you, maybe. But, but by the goodness of God, I can tell you today that there's nothing like walking in freedom. There's nothing like an atmosphere shift where, man, even when the enemy tries to come and put you in bondage, you can almost laugh at it and just say, that's ridiculous. But these places of bondage, because the bondage in this man's life in Mark 5 is his reality at this moment. And so I wrote three things down about bondage that we just see here. The first one is this, is that this man was trapped in the exact opposite atmosphere of Jesus. Jesus in John 10.10 said what? I have come to give you life and life more abundantly, right? So Jesus' atmosphere was life. That's why every funeral he went to, everyone was raised from the dead. Why? He couldn't help it. He was life. He was showing life. He was giving life. He He was expressing life. He was even displaying the life of God. Zoe, life of God. Everywhere he went. And we see that this man is trapped where? In the tombs, right? 
I don't believe that's a coincidence. It was God trying to show at his worst place, the atmosphere he was trapped in was death and pain and sorrow and not even mourning, just sorrow. Because mourning will move, move on, but sorrow stays forever. And this man is trapped in the tombs. Now, for a moment, I want you to see this guy, because oftentimes I think we forget he was a person. And he's in pain, and he's in agony. He's trapped. We're going to see in a minute that people have tried to help him, and it wasn't enough. And he's stuck in an atmosphere of death. And I want you to understand that, that the place of freedom always, the place opposite of freedom always leads to death. So if we have bondage in our life and we're just we're coexisting with it, we're coping with it, I want to tell you that that is never the answer because it will always lead to death in that area. Because God's called us to be a people who experience the freedom that Jesus carried for us. Jesus did it on the cross. Thank you, Judy. The cross is more powerful than we remember. The day that you receive your salvation is not supposed to be the only day you celebrate the cross. The cross is freedom and action in our life. Jesus took it all. Every pain, every sorrow. Hey, when Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking about your very worst moment and redeeming it. He was thinking about the worst moments of mankind and redeeming them. One day I was sitting in my office just pondering the greatness of the cross and said, the Lord said, you know, I redeemed the Holocaust. I was like, what? He said, yeah, when I was hanging on the cross, I thought of every atrocity there and I redeemed it. Why? Because I could not let it have power over man. I could not let it have bondage over man. I needed people to be walking a freedom even that had experienced that kind of pain. And if we're not careful, we'll have areas of our life that we coexist with and we just think the cross hasn't quite touched that area yet. And the next thing you know, we're living in the tombs in our life. And maybe one area we're praising Jesus, our hands up, telling all of us good. And then we go home, we have another area we visit. It's like the tombs in our life. And Jesus is saying, I need an atmosphere change over all of that. Second thing about bondage. This one's going to get real here. That spiritual bondage can't be fixed with natural boundaries or good intentions. When I read about those chains, I read about people trying to help. Maybe not. Maybe they were enslaving him. But it says they're trying to hold him down. What? They're trying to keep him into a place of not running around naked in the tombs. But it wasn't enough. Because it was external solutions to internal problems. And God is looking for us to be a people who always, like I started with today, allow the supernatural effect of who He is and what He's doing have effect in our lives. And we cannot fix, we cannot fix internal pain. Listen, and I I believe in counseling. I believe in all those things. But I believe that they are secondary. They are secondary to the encounter of Jesus face to face that heals us on the inside. Yeah, we may have to have some help learning new habits, but not this guy. I'm just teaching the Bible now. I'm not teaching any other philosophies. The Bible is this guy encountered Jesus, and next thing you know, he's in his right mind clothed, ready to talk about Jesus. 
and, 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 I'm not, and, and I understand there's people that want to help people and take people and lead them there and say, this is the water, drink it. They will because they're encountering the king. And I celebrate that so much. But I want it to always start with, you got to have the king. And we cannot have external solutions for people's problems that are internal. Pam Piggy and I were talking about something and she was showing how, hey, it's always about leading people to Jesus to see Jesus. And it's so beautiful. If we'll understand that it's about seeing the king, we'll, we'll produce a free generation. A generation that's free. And I want to encourage you today, don't get trapped in the whole thing like, I've got to figure out what's wrong with me. I've got to have all these steps. And when, I, when I've done it all right, I'm going to be free. What I found is even in that, if you don't infuse the king in that, it doesn't bring freedom. And God is looking for a people who so trust him, that so believe in his power and his might and his goodness. Remember, the same Jesus he's coming to is the one that created the earth, the universe. And he went before him and he just knelt down and said, I'm a mess. And Jesus said, it's okay, I'm the answer. And I just want to encourage you in that because I don't want us to get trapped in what it says in Colossians of of human philosophy that keep us from kingdom encounters with Jesus. Jesus is always the answer. And then he may point out to say, now walk with these people. They're going to help you learn to be free. They're going to teach you new habits and new, new mindsets and new ways to walk it out. But you've got to have Jesus in there. See, we, I'm going to be careful because I, I don't want to hurt people here, but I, I just I, the Scripture is clearly showing us that a place with Jesus changes everything. An audience with Jesus. A face-to-face with Jesus changed everything. Third thing is that when we're talking about bondage is that pain always leads to self-destruction. That's why we can't coexist with it, cover it up, cope. Because pain always leads to self-destruction. There's a man running around in the mountains, cutting himself crying out for help. And he's, what's he doing? He's self-mutilating. Why? Because pain always leads to destructive behavior. And we have to remember that. If you have areas that you just recognize, man, that's self-destructive, you've got to let an atmosphere of freedom get there and let Jesus come in and begin to heal that. He wants to fix everything in us, but we have to realize, and I said this last night, I don't know why I haven't said it yet today, is that freedom is not a place we go to. Freedom is a place we live from. And and if we're not careful, we'll put freedom as a place way out here. I'm working towards freedom. I'm going to get there one day. I'm going to get to freedom. And Jesus is like, I gave you freedom, now live from it. It's from that place you begin to feel empowered that, man, the chains aren't on me. The enemy can try to lie, cheat, steal, whatever he's doing, but I am in a place of freedom. So what do we see from this story, right? How do we, how do we begin to understand, well, how we've been doing it in these in this six weeks of encounters, we look at the lies that are going on with the individual. We look at the revelation that happened when they saw Jesus. And then we see what transformed them, right? So let's just jump into a few lies here. These are not hard. Guys running around naked in the mountains with chains all over it. 
The first lie that this guy had to battle, and, and these are me putting this, I doesn't say this in the scripture, but it's just the reality of what's going on is this, uh, one of the lies the enemy was saying is this is who I am. This is just who I am. It, it's interesting we don't ever get a name. He's just the, the demon-possessed man in the tombs. Why? Because it had become an identity. It's who he was. I don't know any other way. I don't know any other place of freedom. I don't even remember what normality looks like. I don't remember what it looks like to sit down at a table and have dinner with my family. I don't remember any of that. This is who I am now. And I want to tell you that one of the biggest lies of the enemy when it comes to bondage, it says, this is who you are. And then we've even empowered it like, well, this is how my granddad was, now my dad was, now how I am, and I see it in my kids. And we've empowered it to a place where like, I guess there's no overcoming it. And, and we have to see that that is a lie of the enemy. The second thing is, is that my past pain is defining my now and my future. How many ever been there? My past pain. I want to tell you that that is a place of bondage in your life. If it has power over you, it's a lie of the enemy that what you have gone through and what you are going through right now is will determine your next steps and your future, your destiny. And we have to begin to recognize that as a lie because one moment with Jesus will change my destiny forever. But if, if we empower the lie, what's it keep us from doing? It keeps us from going to Jesus. I guess this is just who I am. You know, like just we're just a mad people. I'm angry. Grandpa was angry. I just angry is who we are. And now it's defining where we're going. And then the last one I wrote this down is that I'm too far gone. And I believe that this is one of the big lies of the enemy when it comes to places of pain and hurt in our life. It's like, I've lived with this so long, this is just who I am. I'm just too far gone. Jesus doesn't want to even mess with me. Jesus prefers the people in the synagogue. He doesn't want it. But remember, Jesus was so intentional. He's like, row across the, the sea over there. One man. It doesn't say they did anything else. They have the encounter with man, man, they get back in the boat and leave. Why? Because Jesus was intent on freedom for one man. But what he was also intent for was for freedom for a whole region. And he had determined that my transformation of this one man, the worst man, will be enough for this region to have an experience with revival of freedom. So he didn't have to go and preach and teach and all these things and all the synagogue. He just had to show the power of freedom in one person's life. See, it was rejecting the lie. The lie that had probably been going through that guy's head for years. Is, this is just who you are. You're too far gone. And then Jesus shows up. Can you imagine that moment? He's up there running around in the hills. He doesn't even say he knew who Jesus was. Jesus had never been to the region before. Now, doesn't mean that news hadn't spread. But Jesus had never been there. And all of a sudden, something in him said, that atmosphere is the atmosphere I need. And I love it because there was a moment where Legion bowed its knee to one man. And he began to run. And he began to run towards Jesus. Why? Because he was thinking, I got freedom over there. And I believe that our only response in this is run to Jesus. Get to Him. Get to understand that He is the answer in the place. And there's something in that guy 
that he is a, he's a resounding yes towards Jesus. What's amazing to me is he doesn't even know who he is. But what's crazy is the demons begin to cry out who Jesus is. They say, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. I, I said this last night, and it just cracks me up, that the demons were actually giving revelation to the man. He didn't know who Jesus was. He sure didn't know that Jesus was coming as the Son of the Most High God, but when he heard it, whoa, here he comes. And he began, and I love it, as he's running, it says, Jesus said, come out of him. What's the revelation we get in all of this? Because we have to have revelation. It's not enough to be a fun story. The revelation is that distance can't stop us from getting what he came for. Oftentimes we look at our distance, how far we are from freedom. How often we've repeated the same lie, the same, the same action, the same thought. And we look at it and we just think that's too far away. And Jesus is saying, no, distance is not a factor here. First of all, Jesus came for him. And just the response of running to him, Jesus began to speak freedom to him. So distance. I, I say that because a lot of times people just think, I just got to work closer, harder to get with Jesus. I just get closer to Jesus. I hear that, 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 that all the time, and I just want to tell you that's often a lie. Because he's on the inside of you. He's on the inside of you. Well, let's let that sink in, because everybody's like, huh? Second revelation, that freedom is the overflow of being with him. Freedom is the overflow of being with Jesus. Sounds so simple. But the whole discourse with the pigs and legion and all of that is just the overflow of Jesus had already determined, you're free. And we get some weird conversation about pigs and demons and where they go and went all that and jesus just was determining not in this man you can go to the pigs which were unclean by the way i mean there's all kinds of theories on that but in the end of the day jesus just thought what's the most unclean thing around here pigs i'm going to let you go there and then we learn that pigs can't swim but we have to understand that freedom is the overflow of being with jesus the third thing revelation is that worship is the response to our freedom. Man, he kneels down. It says in the King James, he worshipped him. He worshipped him. Why? The very understanding of a new atmosphere of freedom had hit his life. And what was the overwhelming response? Worship. Worship. Oh, Jesus. Worship. I bet every bit of praise that began to come out of him began to release years of habits and breakups and pain and hurt. And all these things just begin to fall off as he just worshiped Jesus. Sure, the disciples were almost convicted. They ever been convicted that someone's remembering what Jesus has done for them when you've forgotten? I have. Man, that person loving Jesus more than I am right now. Why? Because they're remembering who he is. And all of a sudden, this guy began to worship and just express. Why? Because he was in a different atmosphere. He'd gone from death to life. From bondage to freedom. And what was the response of that? Worship. So if people just say we worship too long. We're just trying to give you our best. Actually, we're trying to teach you how to do it at home. We're trying to teach you an atmosphere of worship. That is such a place of freedom that everywhere you go, man, you just worship in Jesus. Last revelation. When the king brings freedom, people will come to see. It's, it's in the story, right? 
It says this in 14 and 15. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, sitting there dressed in his right mind, and they were afraid. Well, first of all, I just want to, I want to talk about these three things, and we're going to end with this. That he was clothed. All of his nakedness was over. All the shame, nakedness and shame, and the Jewish culture were hand in hand. And all the shame and pain of who he was, they show up and they're like, hey, who's the guy that was messed up? And they can't even spot him because he's totally clothed. And Jesus wants to take our very worst painful moments and clothe us in who he is. Listen, in Luke 24, it says this, he's going to clothe us with power. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says he's going to clothe us with life over death. Actually, he uses the word immortal. I let that one just sink in a little. What he was saying is that you're not going to die because he's clothed you with life. He has clothed us with things, and he has a whole atmosphere that's saying, I want to clothe you with a whole different love, life, power that you've ever experienced before as you come into this atmosphere. The second thing is that it says he was in his right mind. What does that mean? First of all, it means he had the mind of Christ. And he wasn't crazy. Let's get real. The first part is he was crazy. And, and honestly, this should give us great hope for a generation, they say, has more mental illness in it than ever, any generation ever before. And in one moment, encounter with Jesus, he's in his right mind. He's in his right mind. And you know that one of the ways that that Greek word can be translated and probably should be translated is that he had the ability to exhibit self-control. The gate had been rebuilt in his life. So that all power had been given back to him, what could come in and what could come out. Jesus had rebuilt the gate. And remember, the gate then says, Jesus says, let me come in and out, right? John 10, I'm going to come in and out of your gate. So there's a gate that allows what you get to allow, what comes in and out. But this guy had no gate. And all of a sudden they see him and he's making choices of being with Jesus and being in right mind. And they're like, whoa, what's going on? He's like, I have a gate. And I've determined that Legion's never coming in here again. And Jesus is all in here. It makes it better than just a right mind. Listen, you have a gate. What goes in and out of you will be your responsibility. It's called free will. It's your glory. Jesus gave it to you. He could make us all robots. We could do everything he told us to do. But he gave you free will. This guy's free will was choosing freedom. It was choosing Jesus. It was choosing to be clothed. It was choosing to be whole. Ooh, got quiet in here. Last one is they were in awe or fear. It says they were afraid. I looked up the word. It doesn't mean trembling and fear like a ghost came. It's awe and reverence. When they realized that this was the guy that they all knew in the tombs. And one afternoon with Jesus had done this, they were in awe. They were in total reverence of who Jesus was. They began to ask questions. And and then the greed takes over and they're like, Jesus, we want you to leave. Why? Because they were sad about the pigs. But it's okay. Jesus left an evangelist. He left one man. And it's interesting 
Because for me, if I'm Jesus, I would have been like, hey, I've got this awesome new convert. Come with me. That's just who I would have been like. Peter, you got company. This guy was in the tombs and now he's free and we're going to just let him tell everybody, tell a story. But instead, Jesus he said, Jesus, I want to come with you. Jesus says, no, you stay here. He says, go to your family. I, I think it's interesting that what happens in freedom is there's always a restoration of relationship. It is a total overflow of freedom in your life as you'll begin to see that restora- relationships are restored in your life. And he said, you go home. I even think there's a part of me that's saying, you go be normal. You go get connected with people. Go restore. Go show what the power of freedom looks like. Go find your wife and your kids. Go find your mom and your dad. Go find the people that you hurt when you were like that and show them who you are. Go let the power of what I've done in your life overflow to your family. Oh, and by the way, declare the works of who I am. Declare everything I've done for you. Everywhere you go, declare it. That's what freedom does. You can't help because one time you were bound and now you're free and you're just going to just say, oh, look what Jesus did in my life. And then the last thing he says, is, and remember the love and compassion and mercy that God showed you. You want to stay in freedom? Remember his love. Want to stay in freedom? Remember you didn't deserve it. Want to stay in freedom? Remember he did it all. See, if, if, if we remember that, it keeps us from talking about our freedom like we had anything to do with it. So what's the area of transformation? This one's super simple. He brings freedom to me. This guy walked away from that encounter saying, Jesus is freedom. In Romans 8, I'm just going to quote it just for time. It says that all creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, right? Two verses later, though, it begins to talk about how creation is going to get liberated. And the liberation is this, is that God's children, will they'll actually get to experience the atmosphere of freedom that's going on in God's children. That's a loose translation. I'm trying to be quick here. See, is that creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and, and the glory of the children of God. What's it saying? The freedom atmosphere that you would carry will actually dictate the atmosphere everywhere you go. And that's what happened with the man. He just starts going to these 10 cities and saying, look what Jesus did in my life. And like I said earlier, Jesus shows up the next time and a crowd's waiting for him at the, at the bank. They've been waiting for Jesus. I don't know if they had binoculars, but I think they did. They're waiting. Like, When's Jesus coming? Because we want to meet him. So let's stand up. I know I did a lot of talking today. But we have to understand that freedom is a passion in God's heart for his children. Because he didn't come to save us and leave us in bondage. I'm going to say it again. He didn't come to save us to leave us in bondage. He didn't come to save us to leave us broken. He came to give us an atmosphere of freedom that overcomes every lie of the enemy, every place of bondage, every circumstance. you have something down there? Are you holding the mic? I'm just making sure. I don't know. Yeah, I really. She asked me what my altar call was. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I really feel like that. There, this is a moment of response, and I, I just feel like if anybody wants 
freedom in that measure, I want you to come up. But also, too, you know what was going through my mind uh, in that revelation when they're too far gone? I, I just heard um, parents, I heard these thoughts go through their head. Well, you know, my kid's running from the Lord, and God, you've got to get him before it's too late, before he's too far gone. But I'm telling you, no one is too far gone. And if that is an area that you want to see freedom in, I want you to come up. Come on, guys. Come. We've got to respond. Don't wait for me to stop talking, please. If we want to encounter, we, this, is, this is when it's going to happen. In an atmosphere that is primed for it. And yes, we want to send it home with you for sure. But this is our moment. We don't want to miss a moment with you, Jesus. That corporate presence. Yeah, just I break off the lie right now that we've tried this before. Come on. And we just release the atmosphere of freedom. And I, I know there's some of you right now that are in your seats and you're thinking, I can't think of any place of freedom. If there is a place uh, that just negativity is easy to live in, I just want to I want to encourage you to invite the spirit of freedom into that place because Jesus is here today, the same Jesus that was on those shores of the ten cities. The same Jesus is here right now to just bring an atmosphere of freedom into your life. Yeah, and fear, if fear has been a taskmaster over you in any area, big or little, if you have those fleeting thoughts that just seem to never go away, you know, of what, what's going to happen, or just please come up. Now I'm just going to ask you just to, Put your hands out. The kingdom is the only place that we can surrender to something better than us. Yes, yes. Not bondage. Like when we put our hands up to people like, I, I surrender, it usually means you're going to jail or something. <laughs> but this is a free uh, surrender to freedom. Yeah. I surrender the pain. I surrender the hurt. I surrender the lies. I surrender the circumstance. I surrender the pain with my child. I surrender these things and I just choose freedom. Not too far gone. Yeah, I just feel an infusion of faith. Just entering hearts right now. Just a faith to believe that, whoa, Jesus did it for me. And he's breaking into this situation. So we just receive the impartation of faith right now to believe that you are who you say you are. And I just really feel like I, I see the Lord doing this. Not only is he giving you faith, but he's restoring your authority to tell it to get come off on, your land. Come on, come on, he come is restoring on. your authority to just say, you're not allowed here. Because he's already declared it. When the man was running, he had already declared, be free. So when he got there, the demon was in a, in a negotiation that had already been settled. And so I just want to encourage you right now. There is an authority coming into your life to be able to look at negative circumstances and say no. No. <laughs> so we invite you to come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He's mighty on your behalf. He's mighty on your behalf. I want you just to see Him being mighty on your behalf right now. Instead of just like, oh, it's just another try. See the Lord being mighty on your behalf in these areas right now. 
And with authority, we just say, get off our land. Now here's how I I feel like we're supposed to end. Because oftentimes we we get in this place of talking about our responsibility. and, And our yes is so important to the Lord. But right now, I just want you just to just to let yourself just experience the love of God in this area. The mercy of God. He said, Dan, remember the mercy that was shown to you. So I want you just to let yourself just fall right into the love of God right now. In this, these places, in these places of pain and hurt, in places of lies, I just want you to see the love of God enveloping it right now, just surrounding it, surrounding you. Remember, love always comes with life. It always comes with power. It always comes with breath. It always comes with everything we need, the love of God, because He is love. It is not an action. It's who He is. And He wants to surround you with it now. Now, Can we all just lift our hands in here, everyone, and just begin to receive just the revelation of the love of God in our lives, that He loves us. He's for us. If He's for us, who can be against us? If he loves me, then fear has no place in my life. We just receive his love right now. Yeah, I I just keep hearing the phrase, fall into his love. Fall into his love. Just fall into his love. It's not, there's no action you have to do. Just let yourself fall right in to who he is. It's a trust fall. It's a trust fall. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. If he can do it for him, he's doing it for you. Dad just said if it's in the Bible to show us that he that there's he's doing it. I know we're past 10.30 here, but I just know the Lord is just, he's, he's, He is healing hearts in here today. Yeah. Never the same, never the same. Never the same. I came in in pain, and I went out free. Ciao!
Yeah, what we're going to do here is we just want to have a place of agreement with your place, this declaration of freedom. So I'm just going to ask some of our leadership and prayer team just to go. Listen, I don't want to pray long. I don't want to ask them what's going on. Just a point of agreement where you just say we're in agreement with the freedom that God is releasing over your life right now. So if just a few of our prayer teams could go, we're going to sing this one more time and then we're going to be released. But if we just want to make sure we have an opportunity to agree with you, this is a day of freedom for you. Or as America said, this is Independence Day. You've written your Declaration of Independence today. Yeah, we just thank you, Jesus. You are who you say you are. I know we went a little long, but we're just so happy to celebrate just what God's doing in here right now. So if, if, if you just are in that place, we just know God's giving you something. You want to just stay here in this place. We just welcome you to do that. If you, We just release the rest of you if you want to go. I just found out that Luby's is closed. So we got to have a new place to joke about. Because if you go to line at Luby's, you're going to sit there a long time. So we just bless you guys. Bless your day. We just declare a week of freedom over you. An atmosphere of freedom that you've never lived in before. In Jesus' name.